Well, welcome to Faithbrook. We're so glad that you're here. If you're in person with us, it's great to see you. If you're online, we're glad that you're here and tuning in. And maybe you're watching this in the future. Uh, it's just great to be here. We love connecting with people. And so if you ever get the opportunity, we'd love to meet you in person as well. We love connecting. We love journeying with people. Um, and so we'd love to get to know everybody. And so uh, if you would be so kind, if you're uh, newer with us, maybe, or maybe you're not feeling super connected, we'd love to uh, have you grab one of those blue cards in the seat pocket in front of you. And uh, as long as your seat backs and tray tables are in the upright position, we'll be good to go. So um, if you grab one of those cards, fill that out. We will just reach out to you, get to know you. We'd love to share some information about us as well and just go through this life together, journey through faith together, and maybe find some places where you can connect and engage here at Faithbrook. So um, my name is Taylor Greenhill. I'm the worship pastor here, uh, but I'm also currently right now the interim youth pastor. Um, and our, at Faithbrook, our, a big focus for us, a big heart for us is for the next generation, from babies all the way through high school, uh, but for today, I want to talk to you about a special opportunity that we have for some of our high school students. So in July, we're going to be taking eight students and two adults uh, down to Tampa Bay for NYC 2023. Uh, and that's not New York City in Tampa Bay. That is Nazarene Youth Conference. So this happens every four years. It's an incredible event, transformational event. I went as a student. I've been as an adult twice, and it is awesome. They do an incredible job, and, and students get to come together from all over the U.S. to worship together, uh, to learn and grow together, and also to serve in the community together. And so it is really an amazing thing, a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for most. And so the only thing is that it's quite expensive. Um, each student has to pay $1,800 to get flown all the way down to Tampa Bay and to do uh, to be involved in this event. And so today, you have the opportunity to support some of our next generation students and help them on this journey to, to grow deeper in their faith. Uh, and so we're going to be doing an envelope fundraiser. And so let me explain how this works if you've never done this. Uh, you can basically you can grab an envelope if you'd like to support them. And the idea is that you leave uh, a dollar amount in the, that corresponds with the number on the envelope in the envelope and bring it back. Now you obviously can make that donation online. There's some instructions in here. But you'll see I have 22 and 28, so you won't be able to get these, sorry. 22 is my favorite number that was on the back of all my jerseys growing up. 28 is my birth date as well as my daughter's birth date. So uh, I have those, so you will not find those if you're wondering why some are missing. Um, but you can grab any number that you'd like. You can grab multiple. You can grab your anniversary date. You can grab your birthday, your kids' birthdays, if you remember them. And you can grab as many as you'd like to help support our youth. And so uh, this is just an amazing thing for them. And then inside the card, it's not just about money. Inside the card, there's going to be two other cards one of them is a prayer card that has the names of all the students going, and we want you to keep that, put that on your fridge so that you can be praying for them. But then also there's an orange card that allows you to write a note of encouragement or a prayer for the students that they're going to get and receive when they fly down. And so it's just a special way we can support them financially and spiritually. So thank you for that. Um, and we'll be out in the lobby. You'll see a table out there if you'd like to help support the youth in, in this 
awesome event that they're going to be going to. So check out this promo, and then we're going to um, hear from Pastor Jim. Have you ever had a riff in a relationship that was kind of alarming? <clears throat> Maybe you said something or did something to a significant friend or even a spouse that you knew that there was a breach in the relationship. There was a harm. There was something that was torn because of your actions. And if we don't address that, a lot of times there can be even more damage. We find when we get into that relationship and there's that tear in that relationship, there's a little bit of awkwardness. It's hard to communicate. You're not sure how to talk or position yourself. And in those times, it's difficult. I can admit that in Terry and I's 34 years of marriage, there's been times where we've had some rifts. There's been some words said or some actions done that harmed the relationship. There was a breach. There, there was a mending that needed to be done. And I've found through the years that if we don't address these, these breaches, these tears in the relationship, then things can get even worse. But if we see it maybe as an opportunity to humble ourselves, to maybe admit there can be a reconciliation, there can be a learning process, and that relationship can grow deeper and stronger. Well, we're going to talk more about that in a little bit, but I want to first welcome you to Faithbrook. Hey, it's like a minus three out there, right? And you are courageous enough to come in person. Some of you are on your couch this morning saying, yeah, I stayed at home today. Uh, there are other might be, be traveling. Someone told me today that last week that they were in Cabo, Mexico, watching us, right? Uh, so wherever you're at, thanks for worshiping. God wants to speak to you today. God loves you and is invested in you. Well, we are continuing in on our series called Five Questions. Five questions that Jesus used to disciple his followers. Five questions that would transform their life. Eventually, it would transform the world, and it can transform our lives also. What are these questions? Last week, Pastor Peggy uh, gave us one of the questions that Jesus presented to the disciples. Are you listening to me? Are we taking time to listen to God? Uh, and she explained that sometimes God speaks through his Bible, the word of God. If we just have the discipline to, to read some of those scriptures, maybe reflect on what that's saying to us and what that means. Sometimes it's through other people in the body of Christ that have words of wisdom or edification in our life. But are we listening to him? I hope that you are taking time to do that as much as possible. This morning, we get to come to our fourth question that Jesus used to disciple his followers. And to help set this up, let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, some of you might know that Jesus had a three-year ministry. He, he came public and he started collecting these guys. Uh, they saw him as a rabbi, but he had an agenda. He wanted them to come to the point where they realized that he was the Christ, the Messiah. He was God himself, the son of God. So he is walking with these men and teaching these men. And we have the four Gospels of these accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to kind of direct ourselves to Luke chapter 22. Because Luke chapter 22 is in the days of the Passover celebration in Jerusalem. Every year, the, the Jewish people would come together and they're 
dynamic city of Jerusalem, and they would celebrate what God did uh, thousands of years ago through uh, Moses uh, exiting Egypt. So there was a buzz in the city. Jesus was showing them. Now, Jesus knows that that in the master plan, he's going to go to the cross, but his disciples don't know it. And he's been kind of indicating this. Hey, guys, I know this is great. There's been miracles. You're believing me. We're all good, but I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to die. They resisted this. Nobody would want to hear that message. And so he kind of is bringing them to the point where we need to get together for this Last Supper. And so we see in Luke 22, the Last Supper, this is where he presents the, the elements, the cup and the bread, right? This is also the place where he knelt down and took a form of a servant and started cleaning their, their feet. And he asked them this question, do you understand what I've done for you? This is pivotal. What have I done for you? Do you understand that? Now, someone's like, yeah, you washed our dirty feet. Some of them might have clued in and said, oh, you want us to be more like a servant and model that, yes. But he also wanted them to kind of enlarge that, to practice that question every day, every week. Do you understand what I've done for you? Have we taken time to reflect on, oh yeah, that's right. He created this beautiful world and nature. Do you understand what I've done for you? I've gone to the cross because I love you. Are Are we taking time to think about that? Uh, that can so much help our mental, emotional state, our spiritual state. Have you taken time to understand uh, what I'm doing in you and around you? Sometimes we live in such a fast-paced world that we don't pause and say, God, help me understand what you're doing in me, through me, and all around me. So we asked him that question. It's one of the five questions. Now, he's also going on to share, somebody's going to betray me in this this conversation, this supper. He's like, when are you going to betray me? Well, that just heightened all the tension. Now they're all talking. It's not going to be me. It's going to be you. There's no way. Next thing you know, the scriptures tell us that they start boasting and arguing, who's the greatest? All right. I'm, I'm more spiritual than you. Jesus likes me more. They're all getting all proud. And Jesus rebukes them and said, no, guys, you got it all wrong. Uh, My agenda, my economy is not about power. It's not about being first. It's about being humble. It's about being last so we can serve others. That's not the way. And one of the big personalities in in all all these disciples was Simon Peter. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus looked at, at Peter and he called him Simon. Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. In other words, Satan wants to go after you. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Satan's coming after me. So Peter replies, oh, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and death. In other words, no way, Jesus. I am with you, man. How, I, don't know, I don't care how bad it gets. I'm going to be there. I would never betray you. I would never uh, deny you. I'm all there. And so Jesus responds and, uh, and, and answers, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Now, remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about one of the pivotal questions that Jesus addressed to, to Peter. Uh, a year before that. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? They're having this conversation. People have all these opinions about who Jesus was. People still today have opinions of who Jesus was. And so this, this pivotal question, profound question, who do you say that I am? Well, 
Uh, Peter scored high. He, he came through and said, well, I believe that you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. That's exactly what Jesus wanted to hear. He made the leap. You're not some spiritual kind of guru out there, good guy, right? And you're more than just what my parents taught me, uh, that I'm a Christian. You know, if there's a survey, I guess I'm that religion. I believe in Jesus. Yes, I do intellectually. But it was more than that. Jesus, you're my Messiah. You're my cornerstone. And it was kind of fun to see uh, people here two weeks ago that kind of stood and made that decision. That that I am not going to just allow Jesus to just be a tradition or just a religion or just a check mark. I think I'm a Christian, right? But I'm going to allow Christ to be my cornerstone, my Lord. And many of you courageously stood and said, yes, I want him to be my all in all. I appreciate Hal Perkins. He wrote the book that's discipled by Jesus, and he really discovered these questions, these five questions. He says, Jesus hears our confession of love, delights in our response to him. When we stand, when we declare, just like Peter, you are the Messiah. I would never leave you. I'm going to be with you, Jesus. He loves that, right? He loved what Peter said. Oh, I'll go, you, I'll go with you all the way to death. Even if it means uh, prison, I'm with you. But we know that Peter would deny him. Peter, in the heat of the moment, would collapse. It happened that evening. They're wrapping up the supper. Jesus' heart is heavy. He knows that, that um, God's prophecy and sovereignty is going to kick in, that he needs to go to the cross. He says, my heart is heavy. Let's go to our, our getaway place, the Garden of Gethsemane. And so they go there, and he is uh, praying. That gave Judas Iscariot time to go and find the officials. Uh, He pointed them out. He's up in the Garden of Gethsemane. They gave him 30 pieces of silver, and the soldiers came after him. We catch up to the story in Luke 22. Then seize him. They led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down, Peter sat down with them. So Jesus is in this home, really, the high priest. There's the, the priestly soldiers there. They're interrogating him. They're trying to get him crucified. And Peter's kind of hanging out in kind of the front yard. There's people mingling around there and just kind of listening in on what's going on. The scriptures continue. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had... um, No, let's back up some. Sorry. Let's back up again. Yeah, a servant girl saw him seating there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, "Uh, this man was with him. I, I, I think this man here is with that Jesus guy in that home. And all of a sudden, he denied him. Woman... I don't know him, he said. A little later, the scriptures tell us that someone else pointed it out and said, well, didn't I see you also with Jesus? He says, man, I, I, I was not. No, I wasn't. An hour later, another person, certainly, yes, certainly you were with that Galilean. And the scriptures tell us that Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. And just then, the rooster crowed. The scripture tells us that Jesus, the Lord, looked straight at Peter. Can you imagine that fail right there? Can you imagine the tension, the breach of their relationship? I don't know if it was a door or a window, 
But Luke noted that the Lord looked at him and they made eye contact. I knew you were going to deny me. I prophesied that. And Peter failed and denied him right in his face. Right when Jesus needed him to stand tall, Peter failed. Peter turned on his master. The offense was harsh and a tear happened in that relationship. Has that ever happened to you before? Have you ever said something that you wish you never said before? Have you ever harmed somebody or did something that you know there was a breach in that relationship? A trust was broken. Something was damaged. More importantly, have you ever denied Christ? Have you ever hurt Christ? Sinned against him? Maybe, maybe there's a time where you should have stood up for your Christian beliefs. Maybe you should have uh, said something, but you kind of just chickened out. Maybe you took his name in vain and used it in appropriate ways, right? Maybe there were some actions or inactions. I've noticed that a lot of times it's really easy, maybe on Sundays, that we can declare and we're going to be aligned with God and stand up and by Friday comes, the parties come, we're doing things, maybe saying things that harm that relationship, that, that tear, that that heart of God and what he wants from us. We see in the scriptures, then Peter remembered the words of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the, cro- the rooster crows, today you would disown me three times. The scriptures tell us that he went out and wept bitterly. Peter was crushed. He was so embarrassed. He was so ashamed. His heart filled with guilt He let down his God. He hurt his God. There was an offense. We know that he left the premise. Jesus was left alone. He would be interrogated, and he would be eventually crucified on the cross. Three days later, he would raise. Uh, The the disciples didn't know what was going on. They they heard that the grave was empty, and so it was Peter and John who rushed to the grave, and sure enough, it was an empty grave, but they didn't know Christ, they didn't see Christ, and so they, they kind of gathered together. These disciples were in a state of confusion. Is it true, and where is he? And sometimes Jesus would appear. There's an account where Jesus just kind of popped into their myths to prove himself that he was risen, and they were in awe, and they, they were excited, but Peter and Jesus didn't have a conversation. There was that awkwardness. There was that tear in that relationship. Peter was carrying around this guilt and shame, this breach in this relationship. What should he do? What should we do? More importantly, what is God going to do? What is Christ going to do? What we're going to find out is that the love of God never stops, even when there's a breach. The love of God never stops pursuing and loving you, even if there's a tear and a denial and a sin in your life. We know this because we pick up the story in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, where he sets the scene where the disciples now are out fishing. Now, the scholars are not sure exactly why they're out fishing. Some speculate, well, they had to feed their families, and that was kind of their former occupation, and so they went out fishing. Some maybe speculate, well, maybe they just thought, well, this, this Christian thing is over. Jesus died. We saw him. He rose, but we haven't seen him much. And 
Maybe we, there was just a, 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 just a, a dream, and so let's just go fishing. We like fishing anyway. All of a sudden, Jesus pursues them, and he comes to the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's seeing them out there. They're out fishing. And he calls out to them, friends, have you caught any fish? Well, they don't recognize him, right? They're like, what? Caught any fish? Who's that guy out there? It's early in the morning. This guy's got a little fire going. Caught any fish? No, we haven't caught any fish. And he says, well, throw your nets on the other side. Oh, what's that guy? No, somebody's like, well, why not? Let's, let's throw our nets on the other side, right? They throw the nets on the side. All of a sudden, they start getting loaded up with fish. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. This, this happened like three years ago. This is how we were introduced to Jesus. We were out fishing, and we were getting skunked, and nothing was happening, and he told us to throw our nets, and all of a sudden, they start connecting the dots. Light bulbs start going out, and as John has said, it is the Lord. That guy is the Lord. It is Jesus. Peter gets excited. They all get excited. They say, let's get to the shore, and let's get with Jesus, and so they're rowing and getting there as fast as they can, and John 21 says that Peter just can't stand it. So he just jumps out of the boat. He starts swimming with all his clothes, right? And he gets up to him, and the scriptures are not exactly, shares the details, but, but I imagine there was some awkwardness. By the time he's getting up to that shore, he's like, man, I've sinned against him. There's something that's been torn. There's a breach in our relationship, and yet he's, he's willing to call us in. He's willing to beckon us in, and he's going to feed us a breakfast. And the scripture tells us that that Peter went out and started hauling in the fish because he probably didn't know what to say. There's been a tear. There's been a breach. What do we do with that? The scriptures catch up. It says, when they have finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, the, the scriptures are, are, don't give the details, but I don't think Jesus asked that question, that confronting question in front of everyone else. I have a feeling maybe after breakfast, everyone's just kind of sharing and catching up. They said, hey, Peter, let, let's take a walk. Let, let's take a walk. Because I have some questions. See, Jesus was never harsh and just, just dogmatic. Jesus discipled and grew people by questions. We have to come to our own conclusions. We have to come to our own convictions. And, and so here's another example of this. Let's, let's take a walk. And maybe turn, stops and pauses and says to, to Peter, hey, do you love me more than these? What's he pointing at? What is he talking about these? Maybe he's talking about all his fishing gear, right? Do you love me more all your, your boats and, and your love of fishing, your, even your occupation and how much money that could bring you? Do you love me more than that? Would you be willing to put me first rather than that? Maybe he's talking about his friends. Friends are important. Do you love me more than these guys? See, Jesus is always digging. He's always got an agenda because he wants to develop our lives. He wants to mature our life. And a lot of times it takes these confronting questions of where we are with God. But God's always coming with love. The love of God will never stop, even though there's offense, even though there's a sin and a breach. See, Jesus has already fallen in love with Peter. He's already created Peter, believes in Peter. He's gifted Peter. He died on the cross for Peter. He's not given up on Peter. But this breach has to be adjusted. His, his heart has to come to that level of, of total love and surrender to him. And so he asks him this question. It's a hard question. Do you love me more than these? You know, that question comes to us too. God comes with that question to me. 
Do you love me more than these things? There's so many good things in this world. Let's face it. Hey, fishing, fishing, I'm right up there, right? Do you love me more than your hobbies? Do you love me more than your careers? Do you love me for all their fame and and money and and delights? Where where do I rank, right? It's kind of like that same question. Who do you say that I am? I'm just kind of down here in your life or I'm up here in your life. Do you love me more than these? We find that when we wrestle that down and we make that commitment to say, God, I'm going to put you first place in our life, my life, that you're going to be the Lord. You're just not going to be my co-pilot or my buddy or some kind of big guy in the sky, that, that heart becomes at peace. And there can be a highly satisfied life when we put Christ first in our life. And this is where Peter's been confronted. He has to come to this point. Jesus knows he has all this potential, but he has to come to that point of putting Christ first. And so Peter responds to that question and says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. He says it again. Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. Now, in America, we only have one word for love, L-O-V-E, right? But in other languages like Hebrew and Greek, there's other uh, forms of this love, different levels. And when Jesus says, uh, Peter, do you love me? He's using a form of a passionate, all-in, agape type of love, uh, unconditional, uh, that, that it's first place. I, do you love me? Do you agape me? Am I first? Do you love me with all your heart, soul, and strength? And Peter would respond with a lower level of love. He would say, well, I phileo you. Uh, the, the Greek for, for friendship. You know, Jesus, I, I really like you. We're like buds, right? You know, I, I love you. Jesus always is like, yeah, but do you love me supremely, uttermost agape? And Peter would come back and say, yeah, yes, I, 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 I phileo. I just, I love you like, like a close friend. And then Jesus asked him a third time. But this time, Jesus uses the word phileo. Do you just love me like a friend? Is, is that where we're at, Peter, in this relationship? Oh, man, that hurts Peter. See, Jesus also was addressing that breach, that tear in that relationship, when Peter just deliberately denied him three times and sinned and hurt God's heart. And so Jesus wants to address that, and so he purposely asked him three times, and probably Peter's like, he keeps asking me three times, and a month ago, I denied him three times. He wants to know if I'm repentant. He wants to know if I'm owning that. Am I convicted of that? Am I willing to reconcile and mend that? And Jesus keeps driving in a gentle, compassionate, loving way. Where are we at? And that third time, oh, do you just love me like a friend? The scriptures tell us that Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? It was right there, right? He was grieved. He was stung. He knew what Jesus was driving at. See, these questions are so important to our personal lives. I'm going to encourage you to try to to exercise these questions. And for myself, I have to remind myself every week, Jim, ask yourself, do you understand what God is doing? Are you looking around at the blessings? Are you thankful? Are you taking a minute to just to say, God, thank you for the cross. I understand the price you paid. 
I am starting to understand how you're working all around me, even though I might not understand it or see it. I'm starting to understand how you're working through me. Jesus, I need to ask that question every day. Jim, who do you say that I am? Am I just your buddy? Am I just your, you know, your helper when you're in need and things are not going well? Or am I your king? Am I your Lord? And if that's so, then the third question is, are you listening to me? Or are you just driving your life? Are you just doing what you want? Are you listening to me? When's the last time you read the Bible? Because there are some scriptures and some principles in there that I want to sow into your life and your soul. And then finally, this question right here. If you love me, do you really love me? Then feed my sheep. It's a deep question. This kind of question came to me 35 years ago in my relationship with my now wife, Terry. Uh, we were dating, and we passed that line where we were not really liking each other, but we loved each other. I don't know about you, but I only told one other person that I loved and was her. Man, I was a big level that I love you. She loved me. It was kissy-kissy. We were close and bonding. We just graduated from college, right? We were getting our careers going. Everything was really going. I was smiling. It was all great. And then one night, we're alone, and... And she kind of said, you know, we've been together a long time and we love each other. And, and I was just thinking, I just want to know, Jim, uh, what, what, what's the future of our relationship? What? what? Uh, yeah, I was wondering, what, what, what's the future of our re- relationship? You know, I'm, I'm 25 and going, I just want to know what, what the question, what's the future of our relationship? Where, 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 where are we at? And dummy me, it took me a while, but I started realizing, oh, Okay, she's talking about like marriage, right? And that's like forever, right? That's like lockdown, covenant, the whole thing. I remember driving home thinking, oh, I got to answer the bell here. I got to answer that question, right? Because her love and herself deserved to know. She deserved to know where I was at. Are we just playing around here? We just kissy face and are we going to be like matrimony? Marriage, And I remember, man, that that was heavy on my heart because for me, it was, it was a lifeline commitment. I'm not going to just play around with that. Is she the right person? I prayed a lot. And God, I, I think she's asking me to step up, right? And, and it, he kind of confirmed it, affirmed it, it as her. And I remember, it's not going to just be, you know, friendship, huggy, kissy face, man, this is going forever. I'm going to ask her to marry me. I remember grabbing every dollar out of my banking account to go find some kind of a diamond, right, that I could present to her to, to ask her to marry me. I remember uh, when I asked her to marry me, I remember how serious that was. I remember going to the, the altar, the church, and before God and the minister and all my friends, I pledged my love to her. I, I said statements like, forsaking all others, you're the one. There is no others. To death do his part. That's the level of covenant relationship that she was seeking and asking. And that's the, co- the level of love that I gave to her. And it's been 34 years. This is what Jesus is kind of asking Peter. Hey, do you love me? Are we just playing around here like friendships? You just kind of just love me like you like pepperoni pizza, right? Or do you love me as your Lord and Savior? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. I am sorry for my denial. I am sorry for uh, being inconsistent. I want to have a covenant, locked down relationship with you. 
With that settled, Jesus once again said this funny phrase, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Peter, do something, get in there, Um, engage, serve. Because here's what we discover. If you love, then you will act. If you love, then you will act. And so many times it's easier just to say, I love God, or I love my spouse, or I love this, and not sacrifice or engage or do something. I remember several years ago, I was counseling a, a couple in their, their marriage, and they were strained, and, and there was questions about their love. And, and uh, she said, you know, I don't think he, he uh, uh, really loves me. Uh, he doesn't seem to uh, really in, engage, uh, never thinks about me, gives me anything. And, and, and sometimes I've questioned him about, and I've asked him, hey, do you love me? And, and my husband said this in response, well, I married you, didn't I? I married you, didn't I? And it's like, really? That's the best you could do, right? What have you done in the last six years, Right? Because see, love is an action. Love is a verb. And it's so easy to say to God, oh, I love you. I, I believe in you. But are we engaging? Are we feeding sheep? Are we feeding my lambs? This is where God was going, where Jesus was going with Peter. And it's the same for us. Now, we're not like Peter. And Peter had some, some leadership obligations there. But he's like, well, what are we doing? How are we feeding sheep? How are we engaging and displaying our love? James got a hold of this back in the book of James when he says, faith without works is dead. Man, we can say it. We can have a lot of knowledge. But if we are not acting out love, feeding people, loving people, engaging people like Christ would be, then our faith is dead. So what are we doing about it? I, I was uh, thinking about this message and uh, uh, I think a phrase that came to mind was given to me by a friend I met at the local gym. Some of you know that I try to go to the gym a couple of days and get in there and, and working out on the muscles and, and treadmill, whatever, agonizing. And, and I know a few people. I try to keep my head down, get in there, get out. Well, I, I met this, uh, this grandma in there that she's always there, right? And she's cheery. And so we struck up this friendship. And um, I, I've invited her to church. She's come a couple of times, pretty amazing. So every time I'm there, uh, she's got to come and see me. I got to make sure that I see her right. So I'm straining, getting worn out, right, right. And there she is, and say, like, "Oh, let's have this conversation." So we're now we're catching up. How's your weekend? Da, 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 da. And really subconsciously, I'm like, "Man, then I don't have to lift anything, right?" And uh, and we both know this, right? Finally, we're like, "Man, we've been talking too long. Let's get back at it." And she usually always uh, ends with this phrase, okay? She says it in her, her verbiage. She says, do something. That's what she says. She says, do something. I say, yeah, you do something too, right? Let's, let's get back at it. I think it would be a great t-shirt, right? Do something, all right? And I think this is what Jesus is saying to Peter. Man, feed my sheep, but do something. You can't just say you love me and at a agape level and not engage. So do something. Feed my sheep. Engage my lambs. Use your gifts. Some of you are just like, man, I'm, I'm doing something all the time. It's, speaking of feeding sheep, some of you young mothers are like, man, I'm feeding my sheep all the time, right? There's young mothers right now, literally, you're feeding your lambs. You know what I mean, right? You're worn up, you're cleaning, and you're caring, and, and feeding. 
there's fathers here that are watching online or here in person. You're like, man, I'm, I'm putting food on my table for my sheep, my, my lambs, man. I'm, I'm bu- busting my back and dealing with emails and dealing with all the pressure to, to feed my little lambs. And we're thankful for people, the frontline workers that care about their community. There's people out there in the hospitals, civil servants, teachers, man. It's hard work. They're caring, right? They're feeding. They're, they're helping people like Christ want us to help. But the question is, why are you doing this? Why are you working hard? Why are you feeding your kids? Because you love them, Right? You would do anything for them. You love your professions. You like to be out there on the front line. You love that. Because if you love, then you act. It makes sense. But we have to take a moment and say, well, what are we doing in Christ's name? What are we doing in Christ's kingdom? Is there any actions or feeding lambs that you're doing for the kingdom and the love of God? And what would that look like? And how could we do that? Well, I would encourage you, all of us, to be in our community to find neighbors that are in need, um, nonprofits that are in need. How can we add value? How can we engage in hurting people? Just look around. There is a lot of anger and desperation and hurt out there. Christ is calling us to see the lambs and the sheep that are hungry and in need. If we don't do it in the community, we can do it around here at, at Faithbrook. Because every Sunday, every week, We want to feed people the good news of Christ Jesus because life is tough and life can tear us down, but the goodness of God. I appreciate our youth volunteers on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Those youth come in, man, they're just trying to navigate life and there's some adults in there saying, we love you and we're here to kind of feed you. This morning as I speak, there are people that are actually feeding the the kids Christ and the goodness in our nursery, in our preschool, and in our kids' zone. And if I I preach too long, then they won't like me very much longer, but they're feeding right now. Do you know every Sunday it takes like 30 people to pull off a Sunday morning that's quality, that's full of spirit? Do you know every week it probably takes 10 more other people? And I just want to give you this opportunity here that that this is a place where we can engage. If we love Christ, then we ought to be partnering with him in feeding the lambs, feeding the people, serving people. Maybe there's something up here that you're like, hey, I could maybe uh, do something like that. Maybe it's once a month. Um, Maybe it's twice a month. Uh, But we need help when it comes to care team, when it comes to children's ministry, volunteers to to rotate and say, hey, I'll I'll help. I'll get in there, maybe uh, assist. There's a lot of things going on. Uh, We now have a a security team that wants to help everybody keep safe. So there's a lot of opportunities. And if you are not volunteering and you feel like this is your church home, I'd like for you to pray because it's in a way of, of displaying our love for Christ in tangible, uh, real ways of feeding sheep. Uh, we have a, <clears throat> a red card in front of you, and that's called our Next Step card. And you're welcome to look at that. And if and there's a volunteer need that you feel like, hey, I can't just love God, say I love God, but not <clears throat> engage on his team and feeding, helping people, uh, I need to get involved. And so you can look at that in the third check mark right here, uh, volunteering on a team, write your name, place it in our giving box on the way out or in the lobby. I'll get that card or other staff people get that card and get back with you because God has a, a place for us to engage the world and to feed the sheep just like he <clears throat> exhorted Peter to do.
Well, as we close, we come back to that denial of Christ. There was a breach. There was a hurt. Christ pursued him. Christ took the first steps to forgive Peter. But Peter had to realize that God's love never stops, even when there's a breach. That's why I asked him three times. Do you love me? And do you love me more than these? God gives us an opportunity to reconcile with him, to bring that tear in that relationship, to mend it, to be forgiven and to go forward. Christ didn't just reject Peter and said, Peter, where you blew it. I knew you would, right? I'm done with you. But Christ says, I'm coming to you. Do you love me? We got to settle it. And let's go forward. And by the way, Peter, if you love me, then you're going to act. You're going to have to do something. You just just can't fake it. You got to go forward in your time, your talents, your treasures. So as we close, I'd like for you just to close your eyes and ask yourselves, has there been a breach in our relationship with Christ? If God was watching this last month, would we hate to face him with things we've said or done that in essence hurt him, grieved his spirit, denied him or sinned against him? Can we confess that before we leave today with the heart of wanting to follow him, with the heart of wanting to love him more than anything else? Because he's asking us, Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Father, maybe somebody right now watching knows exactly where they denied you. They've been walking around with guilt, shame, and Christ, you come to their shore. You cry out to them, come to me. I'm willing to give you another chance, but you gotta repent of it. You gotta own it, confess it. And Father, you tell us if we are sincere about our confessions, then you're sincere about your, your forgiveness and justification of our, our, our grievances. And you'll forgive us and cleanse us. Help us to walk in you. And now you call us into feeding sheep, engaging what you engage. Help us to find that place, God. Help us to partner with others to share this good news, God, eternal life and hope and love through you. If there's a place where we can serve, if there's a place where we can volunteer, point that out to us. And we'll go in the power and the love in you. In Jesus' name, amen.